Good morning. Greetings to each one this morning in the name of Jesus. Appreciate the things that we have been hearing um, this morning. It's been a blessing. I didn't get up in the open mic. I figured I'd have my chance now. I want to thank the youth for being loving enough to endure the heat of the day yesterday and come out to our place and do some work there for us, some cleaning in the house. Appreciated that. All that energy, use that for the furtherance of God's kingdom. I had to think a little bit as I was reflecting um, the camper there that was tearing apart for us. Um, thought about that a little more afterwards. <clears throat> I forgot about it. It was actually 50 years old, so it was had reason to be well past its use. The person that um, wanted to park it at our place, and then we could use it, and then we inherited it. Anyhow, they... Um, had a big poster on the back, I think from top to the bottom, I think it was the Ten Commandments they had on the back of it. And if I remember right, I'm not sure if they went the whole way across the country or part way, I'm not sure. Um, That brother is no longer with us either. He has since passed on. So the camper's life is over and the brother who gave it. Will you and I be ready? When our time is over. Also, I had to think about it. Um, life um, brings us into different circumstances. Um, one time we were with that camper at a family week. And uh, we met a young family there. And uh, since that, they're now grandparents. And uh, we go to church with them. So be careful where you go and who you associate with. All right, why don't we stand for a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to gather together in this way this morning. We repay your blessing upon believers, wherever they are, gathered together today. Whatever circumstances they find themselves, you would bless them. They would find you being faithful to meet uh, the needs that they are facing. We ask that you be with us here this morning. Pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct, help me to be able to share the things that you have given to me. Bring them to my remembrance of what you would have me to share. We could apply it into our lives, that we would be able to reflect and we'd be able to refocus and we'd be able to grow in our walk and our relationship uh, with you. We pray your blessing upon those who are not able to be here this morning. May you meet them where they are as well today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May we be seated. Years ago, there was an aspiring young man who stole the hearts of the people, including his father's chief counselor. The king left his house 
with all his uh, household, barefoot and weeping as they went. As they were fleeing, someone cursed them and threw stones at them. His son defiled his concubines and been left behind and then conspired how to kill his father. Does anyone here think the problems you are facing are greater than what David was facing at that time? Second Samuel 15 to 18 talks about that time in his life. Maybe his God will be sufficient for our problems that we face as well. Now you could say he was reaping for what he sowed. He didn't train his sons as he should have. Um, if he didn't have so many wives, he wouldn't have had so many sons either. How many of us have never had to reap something that we wish uh, we did not sow? Turn your Bibles to Psalms 143. This will be our text for today. I understand that this was composed on the rebellion of his son Absalom. And one commentator said there's nothing uh, in the psalm that would, I mean, there are many different um, writings attributed this to that time. And there's nothing here that would disagree with that. My Bible's footnote mentions that as well. It was a psalm of David when he was fleeing Absalom. A couple of weeks ago, I was overwhelmed with responsibilities and decisions and uh, came to this psalm. It was an encouragement to me. thought maybe that could be a message sometime. Uh, some weeks later, as I was looking over some notes, I found I had written down a few years ago <laughs> that this would be a good message sometime as a topic suggestion. So not sure where you, each of you find yourselves this morning, but maybe it can be an encouragement uh, to someone here as well. Do you struggle with feelings towards someone who has it better than you do? Could be in personal or family relationships. Could be in your position or your status. Could be your job. Could be your possessions or finances. Let's read Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness, answer me, and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul, he hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness, as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My spirit within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. 
Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good, and lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies and destroy all that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. To whom do you turn? I've titled the message, To Whom Do You Turn? Here we see when David was facing difficulty, he prayed to the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication. Hear my prayer. Do you pray? Do I take time to pray? Not to is really saying, I don't need God. Just like relationships take time, so our relationship with God takes time. David is asking the Lord to hear him according to God's faithfulness, according to God's righteousness, not what his righteousness and faithfulness was, but according to God's Faithfulness is literally firmness. Uh, figuratively, it can be security, moral infidelity, more, I'm sorry, moral fidelity. Um, in the King James, it can be used as stability, steady, truly, truth, verily. Uh, the word faithfulness there is the same as when Moses, um, they had to help hold his hands up, to hold his hands steady, to have victory over the, uh, Enemies, steady there is the same word. Um, Psalm talks about, for the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. Same word. Lamentations talks about, it is of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Word faithfulness there is the same same word. Uh, Habakkuk. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but, or in contrast to, the just shall live by his faith. So there, by his faith, is the same word as the faithfulness there, that David is asking God in his faithfulness um, to give ear to his supplications. Verse 2. Uh, enter not into the judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man be justified. Psalm 130, verse 3 says, If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who should stand? None of us. But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. In Exodus, um, 
talks about the Lord keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, visiting iniquity fathers to the children, that's the third and fourth generation, but it was talking, emphasizing there about the Lord's mercy and his graciousness. And after the Lord said that to Moses, his response was that he made haste, he bowed his head to the earth, and worshipped. Uh, the last phrase there, for thy sight shall no man be justified, the ESV would say, for no one living is righteous before you. We tend to compare ourselves to others. Um, think of the Pharisee. He thanked God that he was not like other people. But then the publican stood afar off and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he was the one that was justified. You turn to Second Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians 10. Verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Uh, go to verse 18. For he that for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. So we don't want to be comparing ourselves to others, but to, to God's standard. Uh, turn to Titus 3, 4. Titus 3, 4. David was saying that in God's sight shall no man be justified, but here we can see um, how we can be. After that, the kindness and love of our God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not for works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So because of Jesus, we can be justified um, in God's sight. By ourselves, we can't. And First John 1, First John 1, 5. First John 1, 5. This then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves 
and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So there again, that is how we can be justified and made righteous um, in God's sight. Okay, back to Psalm 143 again, verse 3. David is expressing his problems, his dilemma um, that he is facing. The enemy is persecuting his soul. His life is smitten to the ground. He's dwelling in darkness as those that have been long dead. Maybe it's not your enemy. Maybe it's somebody you consider a friend that's causing a struggle for you. For David here, it was his own son. Psalm 41.9 says, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Verse 4, David talking more about his problem, he says, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is desolate. In Psalm 61, David said, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Where do I turn when I am overwhelmed? Verse 5. Here we'll see David is taking comfort in God. Here he is remembering. You can say reflecting as was talked about in our devotions. He's remembering God's faithfulness in the past. In Deuteronomy, I think it was Moses was talking about telling you, I forget now, it was Moses or God was saying, that they should remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee the 40 years uh, in the wilderness and how he fed them and, and all those things. So when you face difficult situations, look back, remember times when God was faithful um, in the past. I had to think of David facing the giant um, Goliath. Uh, he remembered when he faced difficult situation with a lion and a bear. God provided what he needed. And so, upon that remembrance, he trusted that God would be faithful and do what he needed to do with the giant um, Goliath, that he did not have to fear um, facing him. I had to think of Jonah. When did Jonah remember? He had to get down pretty far till he remembered. Bottom of the fish, three days, then he remembered. Uh, don't wait that long. 
Jonah says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. So don't wait that long. So, when David remembered, he said he meditated on it. Thought about it. He thought about it. And there I muse on the work of thy hands, ESV would say, to ponder. So as we remember God's faithfulness in the past, um, meditate on those things, and, and think about how that applies to the situation that you may be facing today. Verse 6. David says, I stretch forth my hands unto thee, unto God. God is the one that he is looking to for help in his difficult situation. Uh, devotions was mentioned. Um, who do you seek? Who do you thirst after? Here we see David is thirsting after God as a thirsty land. Do we turn to God for help? In John, it talks about in the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Turn to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here Jesus is saying to come unto him with your burdens and he will give you rest. Back up to Matthew 5, verse 6. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Next, we'd like to look at some of David's petitions that he has um, as he turns here towards God and seeks him. Uh, verse 7. He's asking God to hear him speedily. <laughs> he wants God to hear and help him that he is not pulled under. Verse 8, he says, cause me to hear. Hear what? Hear thy loving kindness in the morning. I think our devotions had a verse about that too, about seeking God uh, in the morning. It seemed to be something that uh, David mentioned different times. Verse 
says, for in thee do I trust. He trusted God. Then after he trusted God, then next he says, out of his trust in God, now, cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I've lifted up my soul to thee. I've committed my, I've committed myself to you. Cause me to know the way. Psalm 5 verse 8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Let's turn to Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I think in all thy ways acknowledging him, that would include obeying what we know, doing what we know, and trusting God, he will direct us in the rest. In Ezra, it talked about, they um, proclaimed a fast before the Lord, before God, to seek of Him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. So there they were serious enough about seeking God for God's direction that they were willing to fast and pray and seek God that He would Show them a right way for them and for their little ones. Back to Psalm 143, verse 9. His next petition here to God is to deliver him from his enemies. Because he's fleeing to the Lord to hide. When I face difficulties, where... And do I turn? I do have a story here that I think I will read. Since I'm not a good storyteller, I have one. Um, I was looking over some notes, some things that I had saved for topics, and here this companions had the story on the front that been saved in my file. It's over 30 years old. Um, it's a true story. God does not always deliver us as we desire. God knows more than we do. God can deliver, but he does not always the true story from Central America, um, I will probably not read it as dramatically as it is and may edit it some for the sake of the little ones among us. The dusty little village lay blistering under the afternoon sun 
The voices of children at play and the barking of a dog broke the stillness of the day. At the end of the street sat a humble adobe church. The pastor, Juan Martinez, walked slowly toward the building. It will be filled to capacity tonight with eager believers waiting to hear the word of God. But it had not always been this way. Six months ago, Julio Valdez had been the pastor and Juan the Sunday school superintendent. The flock was small, the members faithful. Julio stood tall, straight and dark in the pulpit, ministering the word to the people. He was a humble man who lived what he believed and loved God and the people. It was early spring and the birds were twittering outside the window now and again, bringing distraction to the children present. A mild breeze filtered in, rustling the pages of Julio's Bible. Another sound came from far down the street, maybe by the river. It was the soft thud of leather boots, soldiers' boots. As they drew near, another sound accompanied the first, voices and the gentle swish of weapons against coarse uniforms. Julio paused momentarily in his sermon, glanced out the open window, and saw the soldiers were drawing near the church. The smallest crease of a frown dented the smooth brown of his forehead. Then it was gone. He continued to preach as there had been no interruption. No one saw Pastor Valdez exchange glances with Juan. Both men were aware of the fact the soldiers would like nothing better than to quiet the voice of the gospel in this place. Other villages have been under siege. A few pastors had been killed for Jesus Christ. Of course, the outside world knew nothing of what was actually taking place in this Central American country. And if the news reporters did know, the news was never released to the public. Could it happen here in this small, unimportant village? Before Julio could have answered his own question, soldiers strode boldly into the church, brandishing weapons before them. Women froze, clasping their children to them and trying to stifle their outcries. Men half rose from their seats and were shoved roughly back onto the rough wooden benches. Julio calmly stood back to the situation. What do you want here? His question was ignored. Two soldiers approached the pul- pulpit, hatred filling their eyes, and curses fell from their lips. The command was given, and he was taken outside. I haven't done anything against the government, Julio protested, knowing in his heart. This was not the reason for his capture. In a minute, Juan was also brought out and forced away from the village, taken to a bridge that spanned the river. The officer told him to stand, and while Julio did as he was told, while Juan watched helplessly, the soldiers, seven of them, stood. They seemed to know what further orders would soon be coming commanding officer turned with a sneer. Are you willing to deny this God you follow and stop preaching this foolishness? Julio felt a calm spread through his entire body. Never. <clears throat> Do you realize what would happen if you persist? I can spare your life if you promise to give up this gospel you preach. A serenity unknown until this time took hold of Julio. Jesus Christ gave his life and shed his blood for me. I can never Give him up. A reddish hue spread over the officer's face. Then you would die. He raged angrily. 
Turning one heel, he glared at the soldiers and gave the command. Wait, Julio cried sharply. Give me time to say something. The other man's lips curled in contempt. Say, Lord Jesus, he began softly. Receive my spirit to yourself. I pray, lay not the sin to their charge. Julio watched in horror as seven soldiers took his life. Immediately, the commanding officer turned to Juan and shoved him to the spot where Julio had just been. You, the man shouted, you were working for him. What will you do? Denounce this Jesus and give up your work at church or you will be shot the same way. Juan felt himself go white and began to tremble. He tried to be calm and examine the strange looks on the face of the soldiers, but it was too hard to determine what their looks meant. I will never deny my Lord. You will have to shoot me as you did my friend. The man could not believe his ears. You are a fool, was all he said. But I would like to pray before you kill me. A scowl marked the officer's otherwise handsome face. Then pray quickly. One moistened his lips, but his mouth still felt dry. He felt a tear stream through his veins like liquid fire, yet he would never deny the Lord. Father, he began faltering. These soldiers do not understand what they are doing. I ask you not to condemn them for this. His voice gained strength as he uttered the words. Now I ask you to receive my spirit. Incoherent utterance fell from the officer's lips as he signaled the soldiers to take him. As in some unreal dream, Juan heard the weapons click, saw the rifles lift into firing position, but they hesitated, all of them. One young soldier blinked, lowered his rifle. He looked as though he was trying to hold back tears. Suddenly, he threw down his weapon and walked from the bridge. Juan waited for the sound of the others, but they didn't come. Heads turned to look after the soldier who had walked away. The officer screamed furiously. Another soldier threw down his rifle. The other five hesitated briefly, then did the same. All seven soldiers walked off, leaving their weapons scattered on the old wooden bridge. Juan stared in disbelief, then turned his gaze to the officer. For a long moment, they stared into one another's eyes. Then without a word, the other man walked away, leaving Juan alone. It was hard to comprehend what had just taken place. Juan waited a few seconds. Then he, too, walked off the bridge and went back to the church. Till now, he had not seen the few men who had ventured from the small adobe building to watch the scene on the bridge. Now they rejoiced together at the mercy and grace of God, and they mourned for their pastor. Come back and tell the others what happened, one of the men urged Juan. Juan stood straight and tall. In the hand union pulpit, he read the story to the rest of the congregation. Some wept, others rejoiced at the courage both men had shown. Since there was no preacher to lead the service, that night Juan took his place in the pulpit once more. Looking over the small congregation, he was amazed to see the soldiers who had killed the pastor. Other new faces were there, too. 
news had traveled quickly about the martyrdom of Julio. Persecution in the small church had done its work. New converts were added to the church almost daily, including the salvation of the seven soldiers. Now a smile marked Juan's face as he walked resolutely on toward the Adobe church. Yes, all that had happened before, it seemed like yesterday, but in reality, it had been six months. Now the church will be packed again tonight. And seven special men of God would be there. Dedicated men who would lay down their lives an instant for any member of the flock. They were men of compassion and love. These men who were once murderous soldiers. David was asking the Lord to deliver him from his enemies. The story helps us realize that things don't always turn out the way we would like. But we have to trust that God sees the big picture and we don't. 1 Corinthians 13:12 tells us, "For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know, even as also I am known." God, in his infinite knowledge of the past, the present, and the future, we don't have that. So he allows what to happen as he sees best in that whole scope of things. We sang the song this morning, Take up thy cross, the Savior said, Twill guide us to a better home, victory over death. Maybe your situation you face is not quite that sincere, serious. But life is real. Life doesn't always go as you wished it would. Um, another thing I thought about with the, the camper there, reflecting about that, that we'd taken my um, nieces one time in that to a family week because they had lost their mother. Life doesn't always go as we desire. But that does not mean we cannot trust God to accomplish his purposes uh, in the circumstances we face. Back to Psalm 143, verse 10. David's next um, petition there of God is to teach me to do thy will. Maybe you could say, in in light of whatever circumstances God allows, teach me. Uh, Turn to Colossians 1, 9 and 10. This cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, 
being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with might and get on and on there. But part there, but filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Uh, in Hebrews, it talks about um, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do we desire for God to teach us? Are we willing to follow when he does teach us? Verse 11. Then David's next petition is for God to quicken him. Quicken him for the Lord's name's sake, not for his reputation, but for, for the Lord's reputation. Uh, turn to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherein he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So there we see that it is uh, being quickened together with Christ. It says quickened us, plural. Quickened us together uh, with Christ. As Christ is the one that makes um, the difference. It's not... Uh, of ourselves. In Revelations it talks about um, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. The Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, shall lead them into fountains of living water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's talking about future uh, deliverance there. Okay, verse 12 yet there in Psalms. I like the way David closes that. He closes that with, For I am thy servant. For I am thy servant. I am thy bondman. It means God is my master, my boss. David had started out there in verse 2 about that he was the servant of God. And now he ends with that. Romans 6.22 says, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. But being made free from sin, now become the servants of God. Instead of being 
uh, servants of sin. We want to be servants of God. In conclusion, verse 15 there of chapter uh, of Psalm 144 says, Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. If we're not happy, does that mean that maybe something's not clear between God and I? The difficulty that David was facing, he talks about there in Psalm 143. And he goes on to Psalm 145. And it's a psalm of praise. Quite a contrast to the valley he was experiencing before. Psalm 145.4 talks about one generation shall praise thy works to another, or commend, or recommend, or declare. So, that speaks of one generation passing the faith on to the next. Uh, if the one generation went astray, then it wouldn't happen. But being faithful in your generation... And passing on the works that God has done uh, to the next generation. So may each of us look to the Lord when facing difficulties to bring us through to praise and worship for all that God has done for us. Let's read Psalm 145. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty, and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints so bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom, talk of thy power, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raises up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, Thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever.